0: This is Urban Tiger Radio, a project supported by CybermouseMultimedia.com, sponsors of our free weekly podcasts. Search for Urban Tiger Radio in the iTunes store or on Stitcher.com and hit the subscribe button to receive free automatic downloads. Please remember to share and rate our show before you leave. This week's podcast is another narrative poem from The Train CD, available direct from CybermouseMultimedia.com, check out the link to our website. The poem is entitled Fishing. Now, I have a few friends who fish for pleasure. I don't. I've often wondered which end of the line the bait should be on, and whether the gross sum of intelligence is higher on the bank or under the water. Make your own mind up on that one. But the thought of fishing for pleasure left me wondering, Perhaps we all do it in one fashion or another. Poor old Arthur never felt the hook, and by the time he did, well. Arthur watched the line snake out from the bank, over the reeds and the lilies where beetles skimmed surface without slipping in, where the water was green and the smell a shade rank. He tightened the line, and the eye of his mind saw the hook sinking slowly toward the lake bed. He reached into the basket, cast out some dry bread, as the joggers rushed past in a windfall of chatter, as though nothing could matter so much as the wind in their lungs and the steel in their thighs that vibrated the bank, and made the fish scatter from out of the shade and into the clear in the middle, where Arthur had baited his hook. The one at the back gave Arthur a look, and he smiled in return, and her skin was still white and her mouth yet unlined, and he knew that the car park was not far behind. They'd be back in a while. He let his whole life unwind, and waited for the fish that he knew was now watching, moving away, then coming back round to see if this bright thing that lay on the bed was a nothing or something. A simple equation between hunger and eating. Backing off, pretending, making movements of leaving, but always returning back to the spot to make the same judgment. Shall I eat it or not? The fish settled down and slipped back in the shade. Arthur drew in his line, rebated the hook and cast back this time to the right where the water ran tight and he knew that the brook that was filling the lake would catch his line and past the reeds it would shake like a live thing the fulfillment of wish and the eyes of a hundred or more waiting fish then the joggers returned their skin filled with anger and their breath like steam and their foreheads were streaming and their armpits all dank as they prodded the bank with new trainers in silence their chatter all gone, left behind by the lake end at the turn of the path where they'd lost their first breath and now winded and limping, they hoped for the car park around the next bend. Arthur watched as the first of them wended their way through the trees that were stretching and catching the breeze and holding the air around him still, like the bed of the lake where fish stroke the reeds in the darkness. Asleep for a moment feeling the vibrations and waiting until, like silver-foil sheep, they would silently glide back into the deep from where the sunlight caught flickers around Arthur's cast bread. And the joggers kept coming, some looking half dead, and the one at the back had a well-practiced stumble. Arthur reached in his basket and felt the bread crumble between his hard fingers. He closed the lid on the basket, pushed it on to the path, threw the bread on the waters and watched as it lingered a moment and then started sinking out there where he knew that the fish were all thinking, after returning again to that self-same spot, that simple equation, shall I eat it or not? "'Excuse me,' said Ethel, "'I'd like to get past.' "'I know that I'm always one of the last, but they'll go off without me unless I get back.' Arthur reached round her hand and patted the basket. "'How do you know?' asked Ethel, sitting. "'That the fish are down there.' "'I believe,' replied Arthur, "'that the fish aren't aware that I'm up here waiting to strike. "'You mean,' asked Ethel, "'that you think they're all thick?' No, said Arthur, they're just simple things from minnow to pike with no room in their head for much more than living and eating and swimming around growing fat. There's really no trick. When they see a worm wriggle, it's as simple as that. When life's only question, when put on the spot, is when I see something tasty, do I eat it or not? I believe, said Arthur, for every angler there's a fish "'like a dark silver wraith in the depth of the reeds "'that will dart out one day "'and answer the wish of those with the patient "'to ground bait with faith.' "'Ethel stood. "'I must go. "'Wait,' said Arthur. "'He lifted his face and she saw a child there "'waiting in patience for a smile or be kissed.' She sat down again to watch Arthur's fingers as they moved on the reel and the rod and the line and the way that he touched them as if they were alive and the line broke the surface with no ripple ringing. And the blood in her ears rose again, then was quiet. And beyond, past the trees where the wind swayed the reeds and caught up the sound of a thrush singing, a car horn sounded like a boat in the mist. A drink, then, said Arthur. A meal, said Ethel, and I will cook. She drew an address in the dust with her toe. Tomorrow at seven, then left her to run. Arthur settled to wait until he was alone, then reeled in his hook. But the worm, it had gone. The meal that next night was something out of a fable, canapés, hors d'oeuvres, bits and snippets of this thing and that scattered and littered the whole of the table. Arthur found himself faced with an awesome dilemma, after eating too much without knowing why, a plate of king prawns caught his unwary eye. He tried to ignore them and give them a miss, but kept on returning, back to the spot, to be faced with that question, do I eat them or not? Ethel lifted the plate, set it fair in his place. Arthur turned in his chair, looking everywhere else as she watched him closely for that moment, for that look on his face. For energy, she said. It's getting quite late. Arthur returned to the table like a man caught and drawn, and with fingers so tender like they held rod and line, thanked God for the sign, and lifted a prawn. How many? asked Ethel. Did you catch yesterday? Arthur looked at his fingers where they held the fifth prawn, paused for a moment, oh you know, and he smiled, just the one. On the stairs, the photographs covered the wall, all of the landing and most of the hall, and all had a resemblance. Arthur thought for a moment, using all of his guile, to see if the eyes or the hair had a particular style, but just like the prawns, it dropped into place. The man Jack had a smile on his face. Who? began Arthur. My trophies, said Ethel, as she nudged him upstairs. Just one or two anglers I caught unawares. Well, that's all for this week's show, folks. I hope you enjoyed your free podcast from Urban Tiger Radio. And if you've hit that subscribe button, you'll be hearing from us again in a week's time. So it's a goodbye from me, and uh, <coughs> from Nelly. Goodbye.